Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. We will flow all the way to verse 25. Praise the Lord. Let's read together. Therefore, we're linking two things together. Because of, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. My Wednesday night crowd, you know that through the tabernacle series. By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near that's what I want to preach this morning. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. And I love this. This is what the 103-year-old saint of our church sent a note to you to tell you this morning. For he who promised is faithful and let us and I don't know why but I've got to get to verse 24 this morning it's been in my heart and mind since I prayed early and let us North Wahala consider one another in order to do what? Stir up love and good works. Why? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together so don't give me that nonsense that you can stay home now in the Christmas and Jesus is going to be happy. The word says that you and I have got to meet together as in the manner of some. Some have already quit coming to church. But he says he wants us to exhort one another so much the more as you see the day approaching that coming of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the reading and the hearing of God's word. Somebody say amen in this house. In the last half of chapter 10, the writer is no doubt consistent in his thought process. Throughout the book, he has stirred up two thoughts that I've spoke to you on before, two trains of thought that he will not leave. But in chapter 10, those two almost give birth to something that he adds on to, to press the moment, or I call it to press the bruise, to prove a point to the believers because he has something to say to them. He writes to these believers who are being persecuted on every hand, being persecuted for their faith, some being martyred, and because of that, there is this thought process for some of them not to abandon the faith, just to not let their faith be seen. The pressure of life is so great, they want to stay home. They just said, you know what, I'm saved, but I can't deal with it anymore. I'm just going to stay home. I'm going to stay here till Jesus comes. I'm going to eat, I'm going to drink, and I'm going to die and that's it. He writes to others also who take it another step further. They're not staying home. They're quitting. They're abandoning the faith of Jesus Christ because they just can't take it anymore. So this writer writes to them first to teach them, first of all, that Christ is not only better, but Christ is sufficient. Christ is better than all things and Christ is sufficient through all things. No matter what you're facing today, it may be pressure from your spouse. It may be pressure from your job. It may be life itself. It may be cancer in your body. One of our faithful members we prayed for Wednesday night, Brother Ralph Rogers that sits on the back. He was diagnosed with colon cancer this past week. Came to church on Wednesday night. He's here this morning. If you walk up to him, he'll tell you it's going to be alright. God is faithful. I don't know who you are this morning, but I've been assigned by the Holy Ghost to let you know that Christ is better. And Christ will get you through whatever you've got to go through. 
Secondly, he warns them not to, Hebrews 6, to draw back or drift away as some has. He lets them know that God expects them to be faithful, that God is not gonna give them a free pass just because their mother abandoned them. God is not gonna give them a free pass just because somebody in this church hurt your feelings. God is not gonna get you, give you a free pass just because you have cancer or you buried somebody. He's letting you know that this world is not your home and God expects you to be faithful because God has promised he would be faithful to you. And then thirdly, what I wanna add on this morning and pick up here, he says he wants to encourage them to move forward by drawing near to God Almighty. I recognize that today because let's be honest, the, hum the human flesh has a tendency that when pressure comes and is so strong that we wanna drift back. We wanna hide. Depression knocks on our door and reminds us that nobody's for us and everybody is against us. Is anybody listening this morning? You say, preacher, that's not true. Godly men and women do not behave that way. Oh, I beg to differ with you this morning. God took me back to two people in the Old Testament in my prayer life this week. The widow at Zarephath, even though she was found faithful in the end, if you read her bio, she says to the man of God, man of God, I've already made up my mind. I've just got a little bit of oil left, and when it's gone, me and my child, we will die. I come and let somebody know this morning you've already wrote your obituary. You've already told everybody how it's going to end and how you're not going to make it on the other side. But I come to let you know God is not finished with you yet. Do not put a period and do not write the end on your life story. I don't care if you're six or 66. If you've got breath in your body, God still has a plan for your life. Come on, give God praise if you believe that. Not only the widow Zarephath, what about Elijah? First Kings chapter 19. He calls down fire from heaven, consumes the prophets of Baal. I would have been on cloud nine. But as I've grown in ministry, I promise you, saints of God, the greatest attack of your life will come after the greatest successes of ministry in your life. I want you to get that. If you don't get anything else, if you sung a song this morning, you preach a message, you gave the biggest offer you've ever given to the kingdom of God, the enemy is gonna come in like a flood tomorrow. He would not fight me when I ran revivals. He always attacked me on my car when I left from the revival. He comes in after those victories to because when the anointing is not as strong in demonstration, he comes in and attacks your flesh. Elijah right here calls down fire from heaven but then somebody sends him a Facebook message and tells him that Jezebel, that wicked woman has put out an ambush a hit on his life the Bible said he was afraid and him and his servant took off running and when his servant couldn't run anymore the Bible said he left his servant there and he went another day's journey away from the woman that was attacking him listen to me, when you feel like you're alone and you feel like God's forsaken you, the first thing that the devil wants you to do is run. 
Run from the preacher. Run from the church. Run from God's presence. He wants you to go find somebody that will listen to your story and not tell you the truth. He wants you to find some preacher that wants your dollars more than they want your well-being. He wants you to find some church that doesn't care and doesn't know you so you can hide out. Elijah tried to run from God. He was like Jonah. But I've come to tell somebody this morning, when you get on the other side of the pond, sweetie, God is waiting there on you. David said, if I make my bed in hell. God, you are there waiting on me. Y'all quiet this morning. My goodness. Not only do you want to run, Elijah said, I want to die. He said, when I couldn't run anymore, he gathered up under a broom tree. I, I really don't know what type tree that is, but he gathered up under a tree. And the Bible said he just wanted to die. He wanted to sing his last sad song and die. Some of you need to put off that sad music that you've got playing over your life. Some of that doom and despair and agony on beast stuff. Are you with me? Nobody's for me. Everybody's against me. I, I've got a song playing. I'm going to drink my last drink and die. Who told you you were going to die, Elijah? Did God tell you that you were going to die? I don't know what marriage and what financial book I've come to preach to. I don't know what ministry. Roger, you blessed me this morning, my friend. We did ministry a long time ago, and it's just a reminder that God's doing a new work and a new thing in people. I don't know who i come to speak this to, but get your dead clothes off. Get your clothes off. Don't put on those heavy garments. Put on the spirit of praise for that heavy garment that you've got on. God was letting him know this is not your last song that you're going to sing. We want to run, then we want to quit. You can't quit on God. God's been too good to you for you to quit on him. And then lastly, what does Elijah do? He compares himself to everybody else's story. He says, I'm just like my father's and God is done with me. Your story is your story. Quit telling yourself that you're going to die the same way your daddy died. Quit telling yourself you're going to get a DUI the same way your mama got a DUI. God's doing a new work in your life and his strength is greater than any weakness that you might have. I don't know who I come and tell this to this morning, but I want to remind you that God is faithful. Don't run from God. Don't quit on yourself and don't quit on God and quit telling God who you are. God knows who you are this morning. Joy, he's got every hair on your head numbered he knows who you are this morning and God desires to do, new, uh, do a new work in your life. Give God a hand of praise if you believe that. So with that thought, let us jump right into what God wants to say. If we're not to run away and we're not to hide and we're not to compare ourselves to anybody else, what should we do, Pastor Neil, when we feel like those of the book of Hebrews and it feels like God has forsaken us and I've done what you've asked me to do, but I'm in the biggest fight of my life. First of all, you've got to draw near to God. That's what the writer says. And it's not so much as a statement of, of due action as if it is a prophetic word of fulfillment because you don't understand the beautiful privilege because it's based off of a gifted provision. Wow. Let me break it down. For every provision, this creates privilege in the book of Hebrews. So when God provides, it creates privilege. Everybody's talking about who has the most privilege. This privilege, that privilege. Can I tell you who has the most privilege? Us Christians. So next time somebody says that you're privileged, you say, yes, I am. Praise God. Yes, I am. By the blood of Jesus Christ. For every provision, there creates uh, a privilege. 
Two times he says in these few verses, we have. And then three times he says, let us. He was saying, we have these things. And since we have these things, let us do these things. For instance, we have $100 in the checking account, so let us go down there and eat good today after lunch. Amen? If you have a negative hundred, it says, since we have a negative hundred, let us go to Tony Hester's house and eat with him today. You understand? That's the difference. With every privilege, every provision, there is privilege. And he says we have two things. First of all, we have confidence. He says that as a believer, you have boldness and confidence. So quit walking around your home and your church and your job telling God what he cannot do in your life. He says we have the provision of boldness because it's not based on my flesh and who I am. It is based on his deity and who he is. Since we have that boldness, then we can come into the sanctuary of the Lord. Or I like to say it like this in Hebrews, the Lord can come into the sanctuary because it's no longer a building because there are churches this morning that are in dysfunction all across South Carolina. Some that I even are involved with because of voting things that the churches are in chaos. So God is not tied to buildings, but God is tied to a temple. And that means, listen, that means when I can't get to the church, God can get to the church. So tomorrow at 10 o'clock when Satan comes in like a flood, you said, I just wish I could get back in that same presence and that same building that I was at yesterday when they were singing those songs. You can, sweetie. Right there on your job in your cubicle, you just call upon the name of the Lord and that God of heaven will come right there on your job tomorrow morning. So therefore, listen, I, I've got to hurry. Therefore, we have an awakened spirit because we have an adequate mediator who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Therefore, we have boldness that we come into his presence and it means today that we are not alone. First of all, he says, draw near. You have the privilege of walking in the presence of Almighty God. For my Tabernacle Series crowd, you know how beautiful that is. No more a priest going once a year. No more a cloud by day and fire by night. But each one of us can come near to God. He says, but if you go come near, you got to do what? You've got to draw to God's presence with a true heart. Look to your neighbor and say true heart. You understand the true heart means that you have been saved. Because Christianity is not based on how good you are. Christianity is based on how perfect he is. Yes, this is not your works. I know faith without works is dead. But for you to have works, you first gotta have faith. They're not separated from each other, as James tells us, but if you have one, then therefore you shall have the other. It's not about your ability or your efforts. When you're going through a struggle, quit telling God what you have and start letting God tell you who he is. Well, God, I can't do it. I'm so tired of my body. My wife this, my husband that, my child this, my God that, my dog this, my preacher that, the cat this, that, 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 this, this, that. And God's like, if you could just hush one moment and let me tell you who I am. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the Genesis, but I'm also the Revelation. Are you listening? 
God is trying to perfect in you who he is. God already knows who you are. He knows that you like milk in the morning and cookies at night. He knows that you like to wear blue jeans on Saturday and suits on Sunday. He knows that you like to watch Hee Haw and Fox News. God knows everything about your life. But what God's trying to tell you that there are parts of him that you don't know about. There are depths of God that you've never seen. There are levels in God that we've not scratched or surfaced in yet. And so why you think this storm is here to kill you and this trial's here to take you under, it might just be the greatest gift that God has ever sent to you. If you'll just grab a hold of God with a new hand and say, God, I'm not going down, but I'm going new in you. Draw near to God with a true heart. What? With full assurance of faith. That means that I know that I'm not living in the land of being inadequate. But God is my source of strength and supply. He is a river that will not run dry. The natural man will fail you in your trial. But that spirit man is being renewed day by day. And what God is saying to you this morning in the hospital, in the nursing home, at the funeral parlor, at the law office you stand there and you have full assurance of faith that God is who he says he is and that God will not fail you I don't know how I just know my God shall supply go get some more buckets what do you mean it's not going to rain I know it's not but I'm telling you just go 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 but what do you mean what about the story of the Old Testament go out there and see if you see a cloud we don't see a cloud go back another time we still don't see a cloud Seven times later, oh, we see a cloud, but it's a small cloud. It's about the size of a man's hand. I come and let somebody know God doesn't need it big. When God speaks, worlds are formed. When God moves, things are done. When God breathes, life is in birth in somebody. God is able today, and you need to have that full assurance. Not because of this. Listen, you draw near because you have a true heart. You have full assurance of faith. You've been sprinkled by his blood from every evil conscience. How many of you slept good last night? Can, I, can you raise your hand? My little boy, we, we got to take him to the doctor. I, I, I believe they'll probably take out his adenoids and tonsils. Of course, I'm not a doctor, but that's just my educated medical guess. I can hear him in my room. He's snoring. Ashton, the littlest one in the house, snores the loudest. You understand what I'm saying? But you can walk in there and he's just peace, peaceful, peaceful. Except for the other night, the other night, the other night when it was raining so much, I believe it was Tuesday night, we had a knock at the door. <laughs> and we got out of bed and uh, Jessica was scared and she told me to get the pistol. <laughs> so uh, she's worried. I don't know why she was worried. I was in the house. I mean, I don't know why she was worried, but, but I, I grabbed that and, and because she looked out the window and she didn't see anybody and the next thing you know, there's a knock at the door again. It's kind of more of a bump than a knock. She's looking out the window. We thought it was Wayne and Pat over there at the house, but it wasn't Wayne and Pat at my neighbors. We didn't know what was going on. And all of a sudden we looked down and there's this turtle. I'm talking about a turtle about that big. <laughs> Ashley said, Daddy, he just wants to come in from the rain. That's, that's all. <laughs> Outside of that, Ashton sleeps like a baby. You understand what I'm saying? You want to know why? Because he has no care or no worry about tomorrow. Because he knows there's no fear. God has not given him a spirit of fear. And in this small age of infancy, he knows that mom and dad's got him taken care of. The doors are locked. Everything is prepared. He can sleep tonight. Can I let somebody know you don't have to worry about what happened yesterday. If God saved you and forgave you, you may have had an abortion five, ten, 20 
20 years ago and the devil may come and try to prick your conscience. I've got a word from you and I say it with boldness for those who don't want me to say it. If God has forgiven you, sweetie, you are free indeed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You sleep like a child. Why? Because that blood has made you free in Christ Jesus. Some of you are exhausted. You don't sleep at night because you're trying to work out your battles. Your battle is not yours. Your battle belongs to Almighty God. Therefore, let God fight your battle. No more Thanksgiving wars. No more Christmas we can't spend together because we mad at each other. Let God work it out. Let me press this thing one more time. No more Facebook generals. No more Twitter uh, presidents. Let God work it out. No more gossip sessions. No more backroom prayer clauses that nobody's praying in. Let God work it out. I, I, I know 12's coming. I, I see it back there. I got 13 minutes, but, but I'm telling you, I'm still in my introduction. Are you listening this morning? We can have a pure conscience and we can sleep like a baby. Why? Because the last thing, because we have been washed with pure water. It means we've been made different. The ones who used to get drunk are not getting drunk anymore. And the ones that were having affairs are not having affairs anymore. And the ones that used to cheat and lie and steal and cuss, we've cleaned it up, not on our own power, but through Jesus Christ. Therefore, what we could not do in years and what the government could not do and what my mama could not do and what granny tried to do, the blood of Jesus Christ was sufficient. And then he gave me the word that I might grow as a believer, that I would not be some small child and God. I'm not like I was 19 years ago. 19 years ago I was glad just to be saved. Now 20 years later I'm trying to tell somebody else if God can do it for me then God can do it for you. Are you listening? We have been changed and transformed. We have been sanctified by the word. We have been given the Holy Ghost not just to dwell about him or him on us but to be inside of us that we might live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. Therefore if we have these privileges or these provisions then we have privileges that we cannot abandon God because therefore we know God has not abandoned us so why are you trying to quit this morning well, brother Nolan, I'm going to throw in the white towel. I love you, but I just can't come anymore. Somebody made me mad. Oh, sweetie, don't worry about it. If you will forgive them, I'd like to give you a prophetic word. You ready for it? Get ready. Somebody else is going to make you bad next. I'm not no false prophet. That's going to come true for some of you before you leave today. Don't quit on God. Sister Janie, it's good to have you this morning. You're in a wheelchair at church. She said, preacher, I've got to come in a wheelchair. I don't care how you come. You come on. This is your church family. You come on. We'll make room. If we got to get a golf cart to bus kids up down the street, God will provide according to his riches in glory. But when you come, come in confidence. Come knowing that our God is sufficient. Come knowing that he's faithful. Come knowing that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Come knowing that he's going to be with us all the way to the very end. Come knowing that he said it's expedient that I go. If I do not go, the comforter shall not come. Come knowing also that he says, as you see me leaving, 
me, I shall come back in like manner. Listen to me, saints. There is no reason for you to quit on God today. He is still the same God. As I ask 10 minutes, I want to share something with you. This is what you've got to do then. If you're not going to quit on God, the second thing you've got to do is not neglect meeting together, but to encourage one another. Are you listening? I know what people are telling you. They tell me, they tell my family. I've been told over and over over the last few months, pastor, you don't have to go to church. Church is everywhere you are. I agree with that. Pastor, you don't have to go to church. So if you want to take your child every Sunday, 51 weeks out of year, and play ball with him, it's okay because God is everywhere you go. Are y'all with me? I just made somebody mad, but that's okay. That's okay, I'm preaching about me right now. That's true. Until you need God. Uh Uh-huh. And you need the church. If you're gonna tell me you got $5 million in the bank and every one of your family's in perfect health and your kids never blink an eye at you when you tell them to clean their room up, they look at you and say, Daddy, I've been waiting on that. I've been waiting all day just to honor you. And I'm I'm ready. And if you tell me that everything's perfect and you sing better than Danny, you sing better than Jessica, you look better than the preacher, you preach better than Anthony. If you tell me all this and I can't preach to you this morning, but if you're in the real world like I am, I'm telling you the enemy going to come in. How do I know that? Because my Bible tells me that all that live godly shall suffer persecution. And when persecution comes, I need you and you need me and more importantly, we need God. And so the writer says since we have all these provisions that are giving us these blessed privileges and we know that we can come into God's presence. Once we come into God's presence, what do we do? We start telling others about what God is doing in our life. And how do we do that? First of all, we come to church not to do anything thing but what? To edify God, to be edified, and to encourage each other. I'm going to preach this because the Holy Ghost told me about 7.15 this morning that I need to press on this just for a moment. You want to know why? Because we have a lot of buildings today that say they are churches, but they're not churches. Jesus is not being preached. He's been watered down so much. We are trying to apologize for the word to get people to feel good so I can tell everybody I pastor the biggest church in Oconee County. I'm trying to water it so far down that we might bring Jesus out every once in a while. We might talk about it, but most we're going to talk about my good works and my good deeds and your good works and your good deeds. We're not going to talk about the blood. We're not going to talk about the blood covenant. We're not going to talk about the sanctified life. We're not going to talk about loving your neighbor as your We're not going to talk about coming to church and giving and be a blessing. We're not going to talk about a holiness living. Are you listening this morning? We're just going to come to church. But what happens is when you do that, you begin to break up what God has destined for you to become. And what happens is this, churches become social clubs and they become places of meeting and they become my family's church and your family's church and they become grandma's church and you can't park here because grandma's name's right there. Is anybody listening to me this morning? And you can't change that light bulb because Aunt Sue put that light bulb there and even though she cussed like a sailor we all love Aunt Sue and she put that light bulb there so you can't touch that let me tell you what the church is about the church is about coming and giving praise to almighty God the church has come out dying and being crucified on the altar the church is coming that the word might go forward that lives might be changed in Oconee County I'm not trying to pull down anybody's playhouse I am just preaching the word He says, don't you quit coming to church. 
just because you're upset. Don't you quit coming to church just because you don't like the way something went. Don't you quit coming to church because you don't like Brother Nolan. Don't you quit coming to church just because you're mad at the church of God. You make up your mind for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. It's like I told somebody in this county, you can do whatever you want to with him during the week. But on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, Aiden Nolan's going to be in the house of Almighty God. That is the day that we have chosen. That is the time that me and his mama have chosen for him to be in God's house. I don't know who I come to preach to, but I've come too far to quit on God now. I'm going to stay to what I know to be true and hold on to the word of God. Come on, give God praise as they're coming to the music. Your duty is to come together, to come to church, to edify each other. And when you do that, you're giving the example. Some of my grannies in here, I want you to hear me. Car that Al Affair sent this morning, coming in a wheelchair, coming with cancer in your body. I want you young people to see that. You need to see it. Brother, no, I, I just couldn't come to church. I know I've been out for a month, but my eighth cousin on my mama, daddy's, grandma's side came by. He's got cancer in his body this morning. She's in a wheelchair. They had church. Dave, your mama's in the hospital this morning. Did you know that? Brother Goblin's wife's in the hospital. But you know something about that older generation? They knew where the house of God was, didn't they? Oh, I know I wouldn't get too many amens there. That's all right, amen. That's good preaching, Brother Neil. Keep preaching that, amen, amen. It's the truth. Brother Nolan, you told us earlier, church was everywhere, absolutely. The temple, you are everywhere. But he says for us in the day, especially as we see Jesus coming by, I want you to stay. Does that mean you've got to come every day? No. Does that mean you've got to come eight times on Sunday? No. But it means there must be a heart's passion about gathering with the people of God to present the things of God, to receive the things of God, and to do what with them? Encourage each other. Wednesday night, I didn't even get to preach. Laid hands on people and encouraged. And all of a sudden, somebody started testifying, and it was in order. And next thing you know, people started testifying. And they were testifying. And what it was doing, it was building up others' faith that if God could do it for them, then God could also do it for others. They were testifying. Lastly, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us then consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as we see that day appearing. Would you stand with me, please, all over the house? We draw near. We confess and then we stir it up. We draw near to God's presence. We confess to each other. We confess to each other, right? And then we stir it up, we stir each other up. Let me tell you something. If your closest person, this is a bold statement, get ready. If the closest friend that you have in this church causes you or does not allow you or does not push you to spiritual growth, you need to check that friend. I got one person with me. And you know Joey's not wrong. I'm being serious. If I have a preacher friend and he does not push me to grow, 
through edification of God's word, his power, his presence, and his spirit. If we have, you know, we're just boys, Joy, so I can tell you a dirty joke because you know I need time away from the pulpit. If he allows that in me, I need a new friend. He says, you should stir up each other to love and good works. What is your prayer partner stirring you up to? Is it the one that's always saying, if I was you, I'd do this. And you notice that they never do what they're asking you to do. Joy, if I was you, I'd tell Laura, and I'd give her a piece of my mind, and I'll tell her what I feel about her mama and her daddy and her grandma sitting on the back row. But you notice when they're never doing that. They're trying to get you to do that. That's not a place in God's house. God's word says we should be stirring each other up. Why? And this was in a hard season. So as I close this morning, I pray that this word will stir you up. Why? I want you to come to God. Quit running from him. Quit telling God who he is and who you are. Quit telling me that you're going to die. Quit telling me your ministry is over. I laugh at that. Your ministry is not over. Draw near to him. Stir up each other and confess what God has done in your life. Amen? Amen. Father, I have taught your word. I've had fun. I felt your anointing. But I've also laughed. But I've also felt the pricking. But you know, Father, in the way this morning, it was not out of rebuke. It was out of love. A few weeks and nights ago, there was a rebuke in this church. It came through a special message. It was a rebuke on a Wednesday night. And the evidence from that rebuke, there was correction made to God be the glory. But today, that's not what I feel. I actually feel a loving father pulling his child, saying, listen to me. Don't run from me, child. It's going to be all right. So today, Father, I have presented this word. And now I, that's all I can do. Now I need you, God, to do the work that only you can do. Would you do it in the people that I love? I love these people. These are good people. And some of them are just hurting and struggling because of life. There's no rebuke in my hand, Father. Oh, God, I pray that you would encourage them today in Jesus' name. It's so good to have you, though, God's house today. I just want to encourage you. As your pastor, that's all I wanted to do today was give you a word of encouragement not to throw in the towel in a hard season. I was praying with somebody over here and, and I told that person, the only thing you needed was just a little push. It's like a child trying to ride the bike for the first time. They're so afraid. The only thing they need is dad to put his hand there, mom, and give them a little push and then they're off and running and they're thinking mom there, mom and dad is there and mom and dad's gone and they've been pedaling on their because they're in the right path that dad has sent them in. Same way with God. His hand's there to give you a little push today to remind you it's going to be all right. He is in control. Amen. I'm going to close out in prayer this morning. Pastor Sister Smith, if you would get to the front door, please, till I can get there. Church tonight, 515 prayer meeting across the road. Six o'clock, we'll be here in the sanctuary. Come back and be with us. Love on each other, comfort each other, stir up each other. Amen. As the scripture has said today, invite somebody to church, invite kids to church this week. We're going to have a great time in our VBS. Father, we love you. We thank you. So good to be in your house. Go with us. Be with us today. These are good people. Father, I, you have the right to speak and do as you see fit with your body. But me as pastor, 
I'm thankful for the way the word was given today. You came to love some people and remind them that you've made every provision for them. And with every provision, there is great privilege. We've just got to take that privilege and run with it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're free to go.